Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Adopt365 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Coombs, um, and if, in this podcast today, we want to talk about how to drive successful adoption of Microsoft 365. Over the last 12 months, we have seen organizations turn to the tools within Microsoft 365 to enable remote and flexible working. Satya Nandela said we've been part of the, the world's largest remote working, flexible working trial over the last 12 months. And, and to many of us, it probably feels like that. But with increased usage and the introduction of constant new features within inside Microsoft 365, we face a challenge as to how we can drive adoption with inside our businesses, but making sure that we've got clarity and a common understanding as to how these tools are used within the departments and within your organization. So on today's podcast, we will be focusing on our six top tips, top tips to successfully drive adoption with Microsoft 365 in your business. But before we get started on that, let me introduce you to uh, my co-hosts, and we will talk about our top features that are coming out in Microsoft 365 or have recently appeared within the roadmap. So I'd like to introduce to the podcast, Anthony. Morning. And uh, Megan. Thank you very much both for joining me. Thank you. So uh, we kind of start this podcast uh, every uh, month or every episode with a uh, reflection on some new features. Maybe it's something we've spent some time looking at, or maybe it's just something we've seen appearing on the roadmap that uh, is uh, something we really can't wait for it to get uh, released. So Megan, over to you first. What, what's standing out to you at the moment? Uh, so my feature that I am excited about this uh, episode is the ability to give live reactions in meetings in Teams. Um, I think it only came out on um, or earlier this week. So we're on the 18th of February now. So earlier this week it came out. Um, and actually, it's something so simple, but I think it has a lot of effect on and a lot of impact on the people who are presenting for people to be able to like, send a little heart, send a laughing reaction um whilst they're presenting because if there are times that you're presenting to people and not getting a lot of feedback if their camera's not on and you can't see their reactions it can feel quite daunting that you're presenting to nobody so just getting those little reactions on your screen can be really useful and uh we've actually got our company kickoff day at computer world next week and this is something that me and um my colleague jen were talking about that we'd really like something like that didn't think it would be possible so the fact that they've now released it for um early access um, in time for our event is really good. So we'll be using those at our kickoff day as well. So I'm excited for that. I think it's really difficult as a presenter, isn't it? Because normally when you're in a room full of people, you're looking for people's reactions. Those are, those micro, uh, micro reactions. It might be someone just nodding their head or someone smiling at something that you're saying or something like that. And if you are doing a very faceless Teams meeting that is more of a presentation, so you can't see everyone's faces nice and easily, I think it's now nice that you have that way of kind of giving that kind of on the periphery uh, reaction to something that's going on. Definitely. Yeah. And something that I definitely want to try and use a lot more and get people to use when we're presenting to people as well. So I'm excited for that. Definitely. And I think as much as we're going to be talking about, that will be part of the culture inside your company. That if people say that this is going to be useful, this could be useful for my presentation, it probably will just be prompting people to use that feature because otherwise you might kind of think, oh, is that going to distract them? Is this is this professional putting emojis up as we're going? So it's part of that culture. You want to encourage that type of interaction. Yeah. yeah. So um, for me, one of the biggest um, uh, features that I've uh, heard talking about, and there was an announcement with Satya Nandela and some of the others at Microsoft, 
um, earlier this month was all around Microsoft Viva. So this is a coming together of tools that Microsoft classify as employee experience tools. So there's four different sections initially. Uh, you've got topics, which is um, related to Project Cortex that you might have heard of before. This is the ability for AI to help find categories, topics within the content that is stored within your SharePoint sites to almost create a Wikipedia of your business, meaning that if people are seeing a topic name in an article they're reading or other in other places such as Teams, they will be able to click it and go and get to a point of um, clarity as to what that uh, topic is all about for your business. We then have learning, centralizing all of your learning resources from a multitude of different areas uh, straight inside Teams. Insights, which is uh, very much connected with my analytics and workspace analytics, all about well-being um, and how the team are uh, communicating and being effective. And then we have connections, which is all about bringing your SharePoint home site in directly into Teams. So we've heard about that uh, before. So this is a really exciting topic for me, and, and so much so we're going to do a special podcast with Matuza from Polly, talking all around uh, Viva, uh, but also talking about employee experiences and culture inside an organization. So watch out for that one. We'll be recording that one shortly. And secondly, just to come in there, because I've been um, looking at another technology quite a lot. So as anyone will know, I'm, I'm a big fan of my Microsoft lists and the benefits that can deliver to organizations quite simply and quite effectively. Um, they've now introduced list rules, which is the ability to quickly create effective notifications for when certain things happen within a list directly inside uh, Microsoft list itself. So no longer do you need to go out and use Power Automate to go and automate those notifications. You can do it directly inside lists. So those are my top two features. Anthony, uh, what, what are the things that you've seen recently? So I've been thinking more um, around some of the hardware elements, um, and I think I think first impressions are important. It's a long time since I went to a client um, and met with them physically, but one of the things you used to do before you went through the door is kind of check you're looking all right and uh, check your shoes of uh, not too scuffed up. Um, and it's the same with um, video, and it's same with Teams meetings, um, and therefore you know things like poor sound quality and poor uh, picture quality um, do have an impact. On, uh, on what people are thinking about the quality of your organization when you're uh, interacting with them. So I've looked at um, Stu uh, Polly, who have um, released recently a new range of hardware um, called the um, Studio P range, um, which is really equipment to enable you to improve the quality of your video and audio in a simple way. I think many of you will be sat looking at your screens at the moment with uh, kind of lots of devices all over the place. What Polly have done is enable us to bring those things together. So the first thing uh, that they've done is the, um, the Poly Studio P5 camera, which is a uh, really good quality uh, camera. Often if we're just uh, doing a meeting on a laptop, then the camera quality significantly lets us down. So putting a good camera on the top of uh, your laptop or uh, you know, on your, your home PC really does improve the quality of the meeting. Um, the camera has got a, um, a 1080p um, resolution, um, but it's also got a really good um, sized aperture. So you're getting plenty of light in there and getting some really good quality uh, images. It's got a focus directional microphone built in there so that you can um, uh, really get uh, good quality sound. It's actually got a USB um, slot as well, so you can link your uh, your headphones directly to it via a, uh, a dongle just to try and reduce the number of cables you've got lying around your desk. Um, and it just really, really pimps the uh, quality of your sound and your um, uh, and your video. So uh, it's uh, it, it's a really good little unit and a really compact little unit. 
Um, the second device I've been looking at has been the Studio P15, um, which is a, a video soundbar. So like a soundbar you'd have under your uh, your TV, just uh, can be mounted on the top of a, a monitor. Um, and that has a, a 4K camera and a multiple microphone array. So it's very good at searching out the sound um, and uh, working to uh, suppress kind of um, kind of uh, background sounds so um, yeah that's a really really good quality and a really good compact way to uh, to upgrade um, the quality of your sound and your video. Um, the third device is uh, a new one really it's uh, a new format it's a 21 inch monitor um, with um, the video built in to it and also a very good microphone um, setup built into that and stereo speakers. It also has um, lighting as well. So uh, it's got a, a light bar around the edge of the screen that uh, prefer, provides some really good lighting to give a really good quality image. Um, and that would work really, really well just sat alongside a laptop as a second monitor as well. It's a, a 20, 21 inch monitor and that's the Studio P21. Um, they've also introduced a, an application to manage all those platforms, which is the uh, PolyLens management platform um, that can allow you to uh, keep those devices up to date across uh, your organization. Barry, you've um, you've been doing a lot with devices at the moment. What are your thoughts on uh, on those? Yeah, I think it's um, really interesting. I think as uh, time is going by, um, and we've got this greater need to communicate via video, but also you communicate in different ways. So it might just not just be in a Teams meeting, it might be recording videos for the form of training. Megan, I know you're creating a lot of training content for 365 at the moment. So I think it's that kind of piece that this is now an accepted way to work. It's an accepted way to communicate and you need to, back in the day when you were going out and visiting customers you made sure you had your, your shoes shined and your suit on or whatever you wanted to create that good impression now we're kind of connecting to people from our own homes or it's more accepted for doing that remotely so we need to kind of make sure they get the best experience possible so i'm really excited to see that and some of the most interesting features for this uh, for me are the little things that maybe you don't take into uh, consideration so on the all of these devices there is a usb port on the back of it so even the p5 camera there's a small usb USB port on the back of it that you can plug your poly Bluetooth dongle in the back of the camera. So with devices getting less and less USB ports, you've then got that directly on there to be able to plug in with that. And then the other thing is with the P5, they've got uh, bundles. So you'll be able to buy a bundle that's all packaged up, ready for IT to send out um, to um, ready for IT to send out to users with a camera, with a headset or with a camera and with a speakerphone, all in it, all bundled up, ready to go. Uh, use the PolyLens cloud for IT to manage it centrally and use PolyLens from a user perspective for you to be able to go and do that. So yeah, really cool technology and um, yeah, excited to see them come out in April. So I think we're uh, onto the part of the podcast now where we're onto the main subject. So our top six uh, tips for driving adoption of Microsoft 365. Um, I think the, the, the challenge with this is, is many people will approach these projects like they are technical project, like they may have done with previous um, iterations of uh, rolling out Microsoft technologies inside of their business. But this project is much more than that. It affects the users much more and it has such a massive impact on an organization. Um, and we've seen the change, the rate of change that has happened be accelerated to what was predicted to be five years or more to get to the point we are where we are today um, to happen in just a 12 month period. So to get started on our first point, Anthony, over to you. 
Yeah, I think that um, you, you've set me up well there, Barry, because the first point really is um, to realise that a team's project is a business project and not a technology project. If uh, your IT manager comes to you and says, look, we need to do this technology, um, your question is always why. You know, it's all about why you're going to do that. Um, and uh, therefore, it's also important for IT managers to, to realise that as well. Businesses are made up you know, generally of the same components. Um, they're made up of your, your product, um, your locations, your, uh, your clients, your employees. Um, and really what makes a difference is how effectively um, you communicate and collaborate within the organization. And that's exactly where Microsoft Teams hits. It is a set of tools to enable you to communicate and collaborate um, really effectively and more effectively than you do at the moment. So it's important when you start out off on a project that you spend some time to understand your organization. You also spend some time to understand the technology. And then the, other, the third and probably the most important thing is you start to understand the people within your organization um, because the, you know, the fastest, um, the, the thing that's gonna hold us back the most is going to be the people. Doing the technology bit is usually quite easy. Um, it's actually getting that technology across to the uh, into the hands of the users and training them well to be able to um, to use it is really important. So you need to sit down with your management team at the beginning of the project when you've got your head around the organization, around the, uh, the technology, and start to build with them a vision for what you're trying to achieve um, and set in that vision some, some uh, success criteria um, that you want to move towards. Um, so that it, you know, so you know when you've got uh, when you progress with a, the project, um, and it is really important that you do that with the management team to get because to get their buy-in um, is is really, really important to actually to, to help drive that through. Um, and one of the uh, the key things that, that you realise when you introduce teams into an organisation is it significantly increases the number of ways in which you can communicate and collaborate within your organization. Um, generally, um, until recently, organizations have been very email centric. When we start to put together uh, a, a team solution in, we're introducing other channels like, um, you know, posting things on internet, maybe uh, you know, using one-to-one -one chat and one-to-many chat. And therefore it's important as a kind of fundamental element of the project that uh, you start to think about what is, you know, how, how do we use those channels in our businesses is in a uniform way. And that's where we start to develop, um, work with people to develop a communications charter. Um, it's only then when we've got the uh, those bits and pieces in place uh, and we've delivered some fundamental kind of operational training that we should start to uh, dig into our different departments and look at their use cases and look at how we can uh, develop um, the technology and use the tools within Microsoft Teams to be able to deliver enhancement uh, in the way in which they're communicating and collaborating. I think it's um, really important um, that when you're doing these things, it is that clarity that at the initial stage is what are we setting out to achieve um, with the projects? Uh, what are the limitations? What are the boundaries? Um, what are uh, the ways that we want to communicate? What, what are the challenges we're trying to overcome? I think that's important, yeah, uh, and it's important to uh, to look at those in detail. Yeah, definitely. Right on to point two then, uh, Megan. So, um, 
obviously, as Anthony just said, we need to get people bought into this project. And some of the key people we really need to get bought into this are the leaders of the business. The IT team need to work with those leaders of the business that really have um, the ability to change people's mindsets, change the ways that the departments work in order to drive this technology change. So bringing them in from the first instance, doing a session with them to show them what could be possible um, with all these technologies within Microsoft Teams and all the other technologies within the Office 365 suite is really important because from the start of this project, they can start understanding how it's going to change the way they work, how it's going to change the way their teams work, and they can get bought into the project. They're then involved at every stage of this project, um, and they can drive that adoption with us. But the other important part of this isn't just having that key leadership team involved, it's having the next group of people that are going to drive that with the leadership team as well. And we refer to those as the Office 365 champions. So you've got this group of people that don't necessarily have to be managers, not leaders of the business. They are just people in the business that adopt technology, like to change and have some sort of um, ability to get people on board and help them and show them how it works as well so we call them the champions and they are key throughout each stage of the project the training stages making sure that they're up to speed with all the latest technologies and features um, of the technologies and bringing them on board to help drive that from a people perspective um, rather than a technology or leader perspective as well Definitely. And um, when we record this podcast, we um, ask people from our uh, community of champions to come and join us before to talk about the subjects we're going to be talking about uh, during the podcast. And certainly if you're interested in joining us for that kind of pre-discussion, then please get in touch with any of us on LinkedIn, Twitter or, or email. Um, but prior to that, uh, Mark in the champions uh, community was talking about the need to uh, empower the champions, give them a purpose, a reason that they're part of the program. Um, you've got to kind of continually work with them and, and understand, get their feedback, tell them how they can be helping from that perspective. And I think, uh, Megan, that's a, that's a really important point, isn't it? it? It's making sure this isn't kind of a one-time get-together of people for a meeting. It is coming together into a team that can help with the, the rollout and help people that are using this technology. Definitely. And with how fast everything is changing within Microsoft at the moment, for somebody who is um, doing the champions bit as a sort of, I don't want to say side hustle, but as a side um, role within their business to help adopt that technology, it's not something they're going to be able to keep up to date with all that often uh, with the rate of change. So having those regular catch ups with your champions to say, hey, this is what's been released in the last two, three months with Teams. Now, if anybody asks them about it, they've had that training, they've had that catch up with um, the IT team or whoever's driving this um, to see those those updates and what's coming on the roadmap as well so that they know what's coming. And definitely having those regular catch ups to check in with them um, and understand how the people they're working with are feeding back to them. Because if we're seeing a real um, issue within the users that are bringing that to the champions it's how we can then fix that and work with those champions to drive um, positive change within that um, project. Definitely. 
And Anthony, I think this kind of comes in very well with the points that you were making around that clarity and, and things like that. So um, you're able to bring those people together. That If you're working just with IT um, to, to try and understand how the technology is going to be used, it can be very much kind of, OK, we want to be able to send instant messages, so we're going to use Teams. Yeah. But that is then just another tool being added into that mix, isn't it? It is just then another uh, avenue that could cause further disruption and hopefully bringing together both the leaders and the champions does allow that clarity to be delivered. Yeah, I think that's important. It's important that that feedback loop, as um, Mark was saying in the um, the, the meeting, the community um, meeting before this, um, getting that feedback is really, really important and acting on that feedback. Um, so where people aren't happy with a process, it, we can uh, can, can renew, review that. Um, I'm thinking about, um, you know, where the areas where technology we put technology in place within computer world and we, it worked in a different way to what we expected. Uh, and one of the things I can't often um, share is that our engineers who all work out on generally on customer sites um, are very good at solving problems. Um, but they, you know, there's a real danger that one of them will solve a problem one day and the next day they'll the, uh, another engineer will solve exactly the same problem. So they have a real culture now of sharing um, solutions they found to problems and whether they use the uh, Teams community platform to do that. Um, and that's a real kind of learning tool and that's a really good way to get feedback. And I'm sure there are other examples from uh, other clients of ours where they're starting to use that technology and that feedback mechanism in the same way. Definitely, definitely. So I think that pulls on nicely to, to, to my point. So tip number three is make sure you're working with the teams to understand actually how they communicate, how they collaborate, how they currently track processes through their department, how they track who's doing what task, um, understand what challenges they're facing doing that and understand where they believe there are maybe opportunities for technology to help them in some other way. Um, this, for me, is one of the most interesting elements of the department, uh, of, of the project. We're kind of in the first phases when we're rolling out, we're kind of doing what we call the brilliant basics. We're helping people use the basic functionality around uh, chat, around meetings, around those basic collaboration features in Teams. But when you start then getting into the departments, it's all around how that department can work. And it isn't always about the boundary of a physical department, the people you work with. It's where you come together for projects, where you come together for different different elements is really important to be considered. So make sure that at the appropriate point, you're sitting down with the relevant people in your department. You may have already in, uh, involved some champions in the earlier stages, bring them in, bring the departmental leaders in. Where possible, get a large subset of the departments come in and talk about what you want to achieve with the project, what the organization wants to be able to achieve, and see how that then relates to them. Are they going to use Teams to communicate as a department? Is actually one of the challenges they really want to overcome is trying to figure out on where every stage of a project is as they go through it. And once you understand that, kind of concentrate on those uh, easy wins. Concentrate on getting the Teams rollout. Concentrate on making sure that the manager knows that they've got this platform now to communicate on and that everyone knows how to take part in there. Um, Megan, in this stage, you typically will be looking at how to do uh, collaboration on documents and things like that as well, I believe. Yeah, definitely. So it's all those um, key tips that are going to help you communicate and collaborate, but obviously just starting at those basics. Um, we don't want people to run before they can walk and it can get a little bit out of hand if you do do that. Um, but I, I probably say this about every feature in Teams, but 
collaborating on files is one of my favorites because when you do speak to people around um, how they currently collaborate you always get the same answers you either email it out to everybody and someone has to make all the changes or you get locked out of a document and you have to ask who's um, got who has got that document open which isn't as easy when you can't shout across the office at Jenny in the corner if she's still in the document and needs it um, and you're having to wait for her on chat or whatever um, it's a lot easier now that you can come into teams and co-author those documents um, and also have that communication against a document using the conversation buttons within teams as well so um, yeah that is something we cover now. Yeah, definitely. And so within these departmental sections, typically you will find systems that the departments are already utilizing. Um, so it's an opportunity to look for points of integration. It's also a point, uh, a point to be able to look for points of conflict. So quite often there is another business system that might be in place that there's a real important reason within inside the organization that uh, that business system must be used. And whilst Teams or Microsoft 365 could deliver some of that functionality. It's important to make sure that you're talking about why it is important to continue using that business uh, system and maybe look at for points of integration. So are there bots available? Are there plugins available? Are there apps available that allow those systems to integrate within Teams? Worst case scenario, could you just make that application available as a tab uh, within the team? So at least when someone joins the department, they're able to find all the applications they need to be able to use quickly and easily. But it would also enable the uh, conversations feature against that tab. So if there's a specific uh, update that you need someone to do on that system or someone's having a problem with that system, they could very quickly go, at team, what do I do with this? I'm really struggling with what's going on. Is everyone seeing that this screen looks black at the moment? It should be white. Whatever those examples are on that, those applications you can do. But it was really interesting talking in the, the champions community before the podcast. Um, one of the things that Mark was pointing out was generally for those departments is about the little wins. And it might be those things that we're kind of looking into from the outside in people that have used uh, these advanced features inside Microsoft 365 for some time. We go, well, that's just really simple. Like the example that Megan gave there, the ability to comment or co-collaborate on a document or the ability to uh, be able to track something in a list or in planner. Those features, we might assume they're really simple. Why aren't people just using those kind of things? But actually getting in that conversation, understanding the pain point that those people have and understanding that the benefit that just something that simple could deliver to their department, their productivity, their communication, their collaboration can be absolutely massive. And, and certainly I think some of the applications we've seen some really interesting use cases on that kind of go beyond expectations are lists, uh, OneNote, forms and booking at a departmental level they're they're really quite interesting i don't know if either of you guys have got any kind of thoughts about these kind of quick wins at, at a department level i'm always really excited to, <laughs> i'm always really excited to find those things and that's kind of you know one of the the reasons i'm so passionate uh, about microsoft teams is that when you actually take the technology and you take the toolkit into a department you can, you know, just find things that are so simple from a technical point of view that makes such a difference from a business point of view. Uh, at the, you know, earlier on, I was saying that, you know, uh, most businesses are the same. They're just a set of components that need to communicate and collaborate more effectively. Uh, and when you actually spot those workflows and think, hang on a minute, I can apply this technology and, and make that work a lot quicker and save this organization significant amounts of, uh, of time and therefore money. Um, then that's, um, you know, that's, I, I get really excited about those kind of things. Uh, and it is about spending time 
with the departments you know, having good background knowledge of the technology but then spending time with those departments and looking at what they do and not assuming that you have to find something complicated to get some real payback megan I was just going to add as well, there's applications, um, like you mentioned, Barry Bookings, there's applications that I've known have been there for a while. and I've never really dug into it that much because it's not something that I saw. Not that I didn't see much benefit, but I didn't have that use case where we could use it. But recently we've been working with a customer who wanted to get customers of theirs to book in um, with them so that they could do virtual meetings with them and actually just seeing how how quick it was to set that up as a quick solution for them in a couple of days. And now they're taking that and it's becoming really successful. And you're actually able to drive some um, sort of profit towards that as well. So as a business, they can see just a small um, change within that actually has driven some profit for their organization and has helped them. Um, that was a really key win for me as well recently. Definitely, that's really good. And uh, probably a nice segue now onto uh, a subject, Megan, that is very close to your heart as a uh, Office 365 uh, coach or Microsoft 365 coach. Uh, Megan, do you want to talk about uh, your point, tip number four, uh, engaging training? I love this bit. I'll, st I'll talk for hours. I won't really. But um, yeah, so training is, for me, a really key part and for all of us is a really key part of this project. Um, as much as we're saying this is a business change, it's not just a technology project. Um, you could just do it as a business change, give people the technology and then not do any training and expect them to learn how to use it. I think um, some people would adopt that. They would understand what they can do with the technology. But the problem at that point is um, nobody's doing it in the same way. You've then got half the workforce who maybe have adopted it slightly, half the workforce who haven't, and there's no... Um, no standard way that everybody is working and then it can just become really difficult so delivering training as a starting point to show everybody that this is how it could be used and this is how we recommend you use it alongside that communications charter that we've created so everybody's communicating in it the same way is really key to just get the ball rolling with the adoption but once you've done those sessions, and we usually do those as um, webinar sessions, um, obviously at the moment we can't do them in person, so we're doing them as webinar sessions, where we just touch on a specific subject. So today we're going to talk about communications within Teams. Next week we talk about collaboration, and then we go on to a little bit more advanced use cases with things like planner, um, task management within Teams, um, taking notes as a team with OneNote, etc., but once you have delivered those sessions, it's then not expecting everybody to just pick it up and use it there and then, because realistically, most people aren't going to be able to do that. We've done an hour session with them and they're not going to be able to remember everything. So it's then giving them bite sized training that they can um, utilize as and when they actually need it. So whether that's in um, short videos, so bite sized videos that are just 60 seconds long that says how do I pin a chat in teams so they can then watch that specific video and get that information quickly when they need it or if it's in a written format because not everybody likes watching videos some people take it in in different ways so it's giving them that first training to give them the standard this is how you can use it this is what you can do and then after that training giving them different types of training whether that's videos written as I said that they can then consume at their own pace when they need it because they're never going to remember anything. So, yeah, it, it is a subject that I find uh, really interesting and just allowing them to have all that makes the adoption a lot better because they can adapt it and adopt it, sorry, um, at their own pace. 
Yeah, I think there's the really important point that Megan made there is that, you know, don't assume that they know how to use it. A lot of people won't have fired up the Teams client on their device before lockdown. They won't have had any kind of training session. So they've learned it themselves. Um, and I still come across people who say, look, you know, the problem with Teams is I keep getting loads of notifications. And you say, well, do you know how to turn them off? And they say, oh, can I turn them off? Uh, and it's those simple things that if you can, you know, it, we need to kind of level people's understanding of how to use it um, up to a point where it's, you know, they can make good use of the tool set. Other people, you know, people don't realize you can access it from a browser and from a mobile phone as well. And just going through those simple training to show them how to use the different clients and just understand a little bit of that, about the limitations of uh, some of the mobile clients is just really, really useful uh, and will bring you significant benefits and help people to uh, communicate more effectively using Teams. Definitely. And I think there probably will be a couple people that maybe if they've moved to your business during lockdown or anything like that, they may have used Teams um, in a previous role that they've been part of. But actually, whilst they know how they would use it in that past role, is that the way that you're encouraging them to use it in your organisation? So giving people the training when they join your business, if that's the case, or if they missed the original training when you did webinar sessions, giving them the training so that when they join the business, they're up to speed quickly. They know how your organization is using it so that they can come in and not disrupt. They can just come in and continue with that adoption and continue collaborating in the way that they should be. Definitely. And I think some really important points there are um, the point that not everybody likes to learn using the same styles or the same methods. And uh, an element that you mentioned there, Megan, was then the delivery of that training in multiple different ways, written guides, bite-sized videos, live training. Um, it's important to make sure people are having uh, the ability to learn in a number of styles, but then they also have the ability to be able to catch up, go and find something, go and dig into a subject when it matters to them. I think uh, that was a really important point that you made there. Um, and from the champions community um, earlier, we heard about the importance of the need for training to be ongoing. Microsoft are constantly developing this platform. This isn't like Office of old, where you were waiting two or three years for the next version of Office to be released, to be pushed out by IT. This is getting updated quickly and regularly um, directly for the users. So it's how do we keep people up to date with that? How can we let people know of new features in such a way that they can kind of quickly have a glance, dig into the things that matter to them, or be able to choose the training that is appropriate to them at, at the right time? So I think this is a, a real challenge for organizations it's a very new thing you've got to do it's not like the the piece of business software that you've once deployed sent everyone on a training course for a couple of days and they know how to know it for, use it for the next five years ultimately they're going to have to continually learn in a way that doesn't detract them from their job and allows them to be productive with the software so uh, anthony on to uh, point five uh, of our tips and tricks then uh, review reflect and resolve yeah, I think this is a really important one. We I talked I talked earlier about the importance of um, having a plan and involving the senior management and putting a vision together and putting together you know the steps and some uh, some criteria to make sure you know where you are in that plan. But unfortunately, a Microsoft Teams uh, adoption project is not fire and forget. We can't draw up a Gantt chart at the beginning of the project. Um, and, uh, and then follow that timeline along throughout the whole of the project. And at the end of it, we successfully delivered it. We need to get constant feedback 
Um, one of the main reasons is with of this is um, that there are people involved in the process. It's not like an email migration where we're doing it on the background. There are people involved, and uh, it's the speed of the people that we need to uh, we need to ensure we're taking them with them and not um, taking them with us and not leaving um, them behind. Um, so feedback is so important at every stage in the project. Um, and the secret is to take small steps and then seek feedback. Uh, we can do that through, uh, through feedback from uh, champions. As Megan talked, it's important to have champions at a departmental level who can give us feedback on how the, the success of how things are going um, at that level. Um, but also from um, senior management, uh, I know it's really difficult at the moment to uh, to walk into uh, a department within your organization and get a real feel for how they're adopting the technology um, because we're all working uh, from home. But um, you need to try and create ways to do that. Uh, using Microsoft Forms as a feedback mechanism uh, is a really good way to do that. But as I said, the secret with these projects is to um, take small steps um, and then get that feedback and then adjust the project based on that feedback. Um, and that's a, just a constant thing. The most common reason for projects being um, failing this nature is being trying to be too ambitious. Um, the second, uh, I would think, most common reason for failing is just moving the project too fast for the people to keep up. So uh, it's really important through that whole process to um, um, you know, get feedback, be uh, agile and flexible enough for your project um, to uh, enable to adjust that, feed a bit more training if you need, um, educate, um, you know, create some more champions groups uh, and things of that nature uh, as you go along just to make sure that you're getting the real benefits and you're not rushing what you're trying to do. Definitely, and I think uh, that there was a point made uh, in our Champions Community uh, call before this was sometimes when you're rolling something out, you think it's going to be taken off in one way, it's going to be adopted in one way, it's going to be used in one way inside the organization. But having that opportunity to reflect um, allows you to kind of reassess, okay, so this is where we are. This is what we thought was going to happen. It, it doesn't feel quite right at the moment. It doesn't seem to have taken off in the way that we wanted it to. So what do we need to do to change that? How can we make it a more of an attractive proposition? How can we encourage people to use it? And one of the examples that we used was Yammer. There was a desire that Yammer was going to be utilized as a real community coming together for the whole organization. But it wasn't taken up. And, and actually, that was probably uh, in the example that was mentioned, maybe because there was just too much change happening at once. And people hadn't had the opportunity to really kind of embrace Yammer and understand what worked for them. But one of the things that um, they started to look at was the ability to be able to integrate Yammer into Teams. So put the Teams community directly next to the people, using it for Q&As in certain scenarios and things like that. So just that point to be able to kind of just pause review, reflect, and resolve allows you to look at something in a slightly different way. And, and Megan, you've probably seen the same things when you've delivered training, that uh, the desire was after the training, everyone knew what they were gonna do, but then you've had to then do some remedial action of some kind. Yeah, we have seen that, but I think um, what is key is when we said with that training and um, when Anthony said, making sure that you're not trying to do everything too fast, it's starting with that basic training. So just start with that communication, collaboration training before you introduce all the other applications into it. Because at that point, you've then got about 
five different tabs within each of your six channels within the seven teams you're part of and at that point it becomes too overwhelming just starting with those basics so that everyone understands the value that brings before then bringing in those advanced features will really help with that um but we have seen some cases where we've had to go back and do maybe a bit more training because like you say it didn't um wasn't adopted in the way that we expected it to so we've had to do more training to either change the way we've trained people to suit how it is actually being used or to train them again to help them understand how it could be used in a different way. Definitely. So I think uh, we're down to our sixth point. Um, and this is, we've been very much focusing on the users, on the business, on the adoption, on getting it out there. Um, and we started off at the beginning by focusing on kind of, look, this is a business change project not just a technology project. Now, point six is engage with IT. And that obviously depends on who's listening to this podcast. You might be IT yourself and hearing, actually, you need to reach out to the users, your champions, your senior leadership, and, and bring this together. But technology is an important part of this project. And almost, it can be, um, it can be too simple to implement these technologies in a way that users could use very quickly or very easily. And what I would just like to urge at the sixth point is the importance of coming back, looking at the technology, looking at how it's been configured, considering your security posture, considering your data protection posture, considering compliance inside your organization, things that you might need to be um, uh, aligned to. It's really important that you're considering all those things. And Microsoft does some uh, elements to help us. So you've got secure score and the compliance scores that are available that you can go and review to understand where your uh, security and compliance posture currently sit. Um, you could go and look at your licensing. Actually, what are you licensed for? What is your future vision? How does the change with all of this kind of collaboration and communication technology sit alongside other projects you might be looking at inside your business, such as a replacement telephone system, or how you manage devices when they're out there uh, on the road? Um, Anthony, I know you've been looking at technologies recently like AIP uh, and, and how organizations might ad uh, adopt them. And, and there's challenges with those technologies that are both technical and from a user perspective, I understand. Yeah, I mean, one of the um, elements we haven't talked about is really um, the data element, this kind of storage strategy that you need to think through um, when you're adopting Teams, how you start to move your data into the cloud and make it readily available so that you can work with Teams, um, and the security aspects of that. So uh, AIP, Advanced uh, Azure Information Protection, um, plays a key role in that, but it does take a lot of planning uh, and a lot of thought through your kind of information architecture in the business. So um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's incredible technology, um, but you need to do the planning to get that um, that bit of it right. Um, but um, there are some some very quick wins in there uh, as well, which uh, we can uh, help to improve the way in which your data is secured um, in a very very short time. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much, uh, Megan and Anthony, for joining me uh, on uh, today's podcast, but also to our champions community that have really helped us get a better understanding of when, once we leave the projects, how you guys then see these uh, adoption projects maturing over time. I think it's really important at the end uh, of, of our six steps there to just reiterate what those six steps are. So it's very keen, uh, clear for people to understand. So number one, number one was define your vision, scope and usage have a framework in your organization agreed at the beginning as to what your scope is, what you're going to be doing, um, and define those business priorities. Number two, 
was getting the senior leadership team involved and uh, bringing along champions for things like Art of the Possible. It's important with anything like this that if you are looking to take your organization along on a journey, that the, that change must start at the top of the organization. It's no good the users inside the organization trying to do something, but the managers still trying to communicate in a completely different, separate way. We need that buy-in from at least a few people in your board, typically those people like marketing, operations, HR, sitting alongside IT. Point number three was work with the departments. Understand where the changes and the technologies available inside Microsoft 365 are really going to help the users on a day-to-day -day basis in their department be more productive, collaborate better, improve communication, and look for the small wins that are really going to help them. Point number four is it's all about training. We've got to understand how we can connect with the users in a multitude of different ways. In this day and age, putting someone on a two-day training course to use Microsoft Teams isn't going to be very attractive, isn't going to be very relevant. We've got to understand how we can make the training attractive, relevant to all people that have different learning styles, and allow people to dip in and out when it is important to them. Point number five, then, was review, reflect, and resolve. As you start your project, you're probably going to come up with a vision for how this is going to work step by step by step. But we're dealing with people here. We're dealing with change. The road is never smooth. And what we need to do is make sure that we're constantly seeking the feedback, reviewing, altering course where we need to do, trying something different. Because what has worked in one company or one department might not work in all. So it's constantly just looking for the ways that you're able to review, reflect, and resolve. And then finally, IT, technology is still important. Consider security, compliance, data protection, and how other projects such as the files, the phone system, and even device management may interact with this main project. Thank you ever so much to my co-hosts and the Champions community for joining me today on the Adopt365 podcast. I have a really good time talking about these subjects. Our next podcast will all be about employee enablement uh, and looking at Microsoft Viva with uh, our special guest, Matuza from Polly.